Hello and welcome to the Waco Trib Super Syntex Friday Night Lights podcast. I'm Chad Conan here along with Waco Trib Sports Editor Bryce Cherry. How are you doing today, Bryce? Hanging in there. Hanging in there, Bryce. Big Astros fan. The Astros lost in Game 6 of the World Series. Was really hoping to see a Game 7, but not in the cards. But still, they'll have to try again next year, make it six years in a row in the ALDS, and then get back to the World Series, right? Yeah, they've kind of had a an every other year sort of thing going with the World Series. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But uh, like a lot of teams, they got some off-season decisions to make. I certainly hope that uh, the hashtag pay that man will be true with uh, Carlos Correa. Yeah, I mean, he's been a cornerstone of, of this whole deal. I saw a, a little joke on Twitter this morning that I think it must have been from yesterday afternoon that the Astros had thought about pitching Nolan Ryan on 10,668 days rest. <laughs> Not bad. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we're here to talk about high school football, and we are rolling right into week 11 of the regular season. Um, Last regular season week. Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I do a thing – I've started doing a thing where the last Friday night before high school football season starts, I go out, you know, go out downtown or wherever I am, just go out on a Friday night and be around people because I know I'm not going to, you know, in that sense for a while. Uh, and it seems like it was just, you know, a couple of weeks ago that I did that, but here we are in week 11. Uh, my friend Bob Johns, who I have uh, coffee with most mornings over at Common Grounds in Woodway, where, by the way, I'm the customer of the month. It's been well publicized. It has been well publicized. But Bob is—he's uh, a kid at heart. He still remembers remembers his last high school football game, circa 1970. Only one team made the playoffs, and for Fort Worth Brewer, and they had lost a game um, to one of their big rivals. And so they had one loss, but they had beaten another one of their rivals and uh, were set up to make the playoffs. All they had to do is beat Burleson on the last season. And they suffered a 0-0 tie. They did not make the playoffs. And he just he said he still remembers being in the locker room and just hearing himself and his teammates just weeping. Mm. You know, sitting there at the lockers just weeping because, I mean, that's it. That was the season. Nowadays, it'd been like, well, okay, we're the number two seed, but not not, not back then. You know, a tie, man, it was basketball season. That's so right. My question to you, Bryce, after that story is, what would be worse? Missing the week, missing the playoffs because of a final week tie or – Beating another winless team and knowing that it means that you have one more week of getting your butt kicked before you can start basketball. <laughs> uh, I've got to go with, you know, the scoreless tie or, or the tie that keeps you out of the playoffs. I mean, obviously, making the playoffs is better than missing it. Um, whether it's diminished or not as the fourth place team, you know, is certainly a diminished um, playoff team from the days when only one made it. Um, you know, just that, that scene of, I mean, you described it well of, of, you know, guys in the locker room 
crying because it's their last high school football game. Uh, you see that in the playoffs when a team loses, but uh, obviously it, you know, back then it happened a lot because teams didn't, you know, make the playoffs, uh, even good teams. So uh, to me, that that's a lot worse. Now, see, I look at it differently, right? Like, I'm kind of like, you know, Bob has this story that he's been telling me for years. I mean, I wrote a column about this back, you know, in the 2000s about this story that he had and, and how much it meant and everything. So for the last 50 years, you know, he's had this 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 story that he's been able to tell about the way his high school football career ended, you know. And nowadays, just guys just be like, yeah, we made the playoffs. We were fourth place and. You know, we beat Bartlett in week nine, and they hadn't won a game either. And then so we went to the playoffs, and Mart beat us 56-6 to six in the first round. I mean, how good of a story is that? Right. Well, that's where I feel like if you have a good team, you start believing that, uh, wow, we could do something. You know, we might be able to make right. a run in the playoffs. We might be able to win a state championship. Whereas the team that's fighting for that fourth place playoff spot does not have those same expectations. Uh, right. Right. Unless, unless they're just coming out of a murderous district where, you know, the fourth place team is still really, really good, uh, which there aren't, you know, I know every coach will say our district is the toughest, you know, uh, but there really aren't that many districts like that where the fourth place team can go out and beat just about anyone. So, yeah, I mean, I think back in those days when only one made the playoffs, there probably were a lot of teams that could have done some damage in the playoffs that got mm-hmm. left out of the tournament altogether. Yes. And you know what it sounds like? It sounds like the CFP. <laughs> uh. We will. We, I refuse to talk about college football in this podcast. Okay, that's fine. I'm just, <laughs> I just threw that in there. Okay, moving on. Through 11 weeks. Uh, so, like I said, we're, we're at the end of the regular season. And I feel like the story is yet to be told of this season. Nonetheless, if it stopped right now, what would be the story of this season? In other words, when we look back and we said, oh, yeah, that was the year that such and such. What do you feel like it would be? I feel like it's going to be, oh, yeah, that was the year that Mart unleashed holy hell on everyone. (laughs) You know, that's a good point, because not only are they undefeated, they hadn't really been challenged. No. And I mean, they're coming off a 77 to nothing win that had a running clock in the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, They could... (laughs) Let's face it. There's a lot of teams that Mark could put up a hundred against. And Mm -hmm. thanks to, you know, the mercy of Kevin Hoffman and his coaching staff and, you know, the, the occasional running clock, which I've been thinking about this running clock would be a good name for a podcast, by the way. Uh, (laughs) I'm just putting that out there. Maybe that, maybe that should be what our, podcast is called in the future but we'll just earmark that for 2022 there you go uh well like like you said it's yet to be fully scripted but Mm -hmm. if it all goes to plan mart's gonna cap off a fourth state title in five seasons right 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 um 
I was talking to a coach uh, in Lorena's district over the weekend, and I won't say what school he was from, much less reveal his identity. But he just said, you know, Coach Biles and, and those guys over there, they're, they're really good guys because they could have hung 150 on us. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I watched West beat Grandview the other night, and maybe this can light a fire under some people and get some, get some feedback on our podcast this week. But I think Lorena is better than West. I've seen him. And Lorena looks better to me. That. That does not uh, surprise me. Um, I mean, uh, you again, you've seen him up close, but um, just the way Lorena is playing, um, and that's no offense to West. I mean, West no. got a really good win over Grandview, um, so clearly the the Trojans are legit. We're not we're not putting them down. Um, no, West's really good. I mean, and that's what I'm saying is they're number four ranked and deserve it, but. A little bit better just by the eyeball test. Well, and we've talked about the appeal of a Lorena West potential matchup, which we did the math on that. And what did we say? State semifinal. Well, whatever we said, uh, another coach in the area told me differently yesterday. So um, I'm not going to call up the UIL website just right now. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll save that for next week. That'll be a, That'll be our road to a West Lorena game next week because we're not going to – that's what we want to see, right? Yeah, and, um, I mean, if that matchup happened uh, on the way to one of those teams maybe making a state game or, or playing in a state game, I mean, I think we'd certainly remember this season for that. Yeah, it, it would have to be the next to last or last game of the year for sure, and as such, it would be one of the biggest games – you know, in our area ever. Which yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, we haven't had um, a lot had of some games. regional finals, had a lot of regional finals. We've had a lot of regional finals uh, back when we still covered Rogers, mm-hmm. um, when our area was a little bit bigger in terms of our circulation of newspapers and such. Uh, Rosebud Lott and Rogers met, I believe, in the state semifinals. And, and that was a big game. It was at Waco ISD. Um, fun game, big crowd, you know. Uh, so, but, yeah, I'm with you. Um, that would be pretty huge if, uh, you know, two of our teams met in the state semis or in the state championship game. Well, it's exciting, too, because, you know, we get along, not that we don't get along with some head coaches, but Coach Biles and Coach Woodard are right at the top in terms, in fact, on Saturdays, when I do the honor roll and rewind, I can always count on those dudes. They're going to send me stuff. So, salt of the um, earth guys, good guys, run good programs, and I would say programs that, um, you know, aren't just always teeming with talent in terms of like you, they're not just going to roll out a team and win just because they they're going to out athlete you or whatever, uh, right, or out big you. They're, you know, they're, they're just hard-nosed, well-coached football teams. Yeah, and they're both built around winning in the trenches. And that's, it's, there's going to be an offensive line story coming your way in the near future. Not this week, probably not next week, but pretty soon. Um, in our script here, I posed a question to you, and we didn't talk about it, so we'll just kind of uh, 
go off the cuff a little bit. Do we want to talk about Super Syntex awards and the front who, who the front right runners might be, or would you rather describe what a front runner for Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year looks like at this point to you? Uh, maybe the latter, just because okay. um, I, I do feel like even more so than the team aspect of the season and how it is not fully written. Certainly mm. uh, the player aspect. Um, we, it's not to say we don't know who's good out there. Mm-hmm. And we, and we do have some ideas probably on who could win offensive player of the year, who could win defensive player of the year on our, our super syntax team. But uh, a lot of that will still yet to be determined. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, so going into what makes that person, um, mm-hmm. I, I think that is an interesting thing to talk about because uh, I think there are a lot of misconceptions maybe <laughs> out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, look, when we look at this, we do try to treat – uh, 2A through 6A on a on a sort of level playing field um, and and realize that this isn't a recruiting list. We do a recruiting list. If you want to see that, mm-hmm. you know, check it out. But mm-hmm. uh, this isn't necessarily who's the best prospect out there. This mm-hmm. is who had the best season as a high school football player on that side of the ball. And right. it's obviously subjective. It's obviously mm-hmm. our opinion. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's flawless or perfect. <laughs> and we have a lot of arguments about it when we meet, you know, I mean, we break it down and we, uh, you know, we, it's not like we always are unanimous on this decision, but it is our collective decision. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it does come down to a vote. Um, and we do not reveal those votes, <laughs> you know, but. Okay. Uh, well, you've done a lot of apologizing for our process, but just tell me what a player looks like. Okay. So stats matter. Mm-hmm. Stats absolutely matter, mm-hmm. but stats aren't the be all end all for me personally. It's mm-hmm. a combination of stats, which certainly signifies their impact and production mm-hmm. and um, kind of what they did to lead their team. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like we're very often going to have a super syntax offensive or defensive player of the year that whose team didn't make at least, you know, a three or four round deep run into the playoffs, just because we have too many of those teams to ignore someone. Uh, right. And they have another third of a season to accumulate stats. That's right. That's exactly. And there are players on teams like Mart who don't really play a full game until the second or third round of the playoffs. And we take that into account as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I say stats matter, but we also realize, look, I mean, uh, Kevin Hoffman told me one time about Tyree Corn in particular Mm-hmm. who was like a 2000 yard rusher. Mm-hmm. He was like, I could, I could give this guy, you know, 3000, 4,000 yards. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. he was sitting in pretty much mm-hmm. the second half of a lot of games. Uh, and Mart still got those guys, you know, th- those right. kind of players. So, 
yeah, uh, it, that's why I say stats aren't the end all be all, but they do help us um, in the process. Now, um, I'm going to go a little bit more like theoretical about this year and, and what our guys are probably going to look like in terms of who's the offensive player of the year, who's the defense. I feel like the offensive player, this not being a very big stat year so far, I think versatility is going to play into it. Mm. For one thing, I feel like offenses are trending more towards having, you know, like I'm not saying this guy is, is a front runner or not a front runner, but look at tra- how they're using Trey Wizard and Conley, you know, in a slot receiver or running back role. And there are several players in our area who are making plays on both sides of the ball but then also at different positions on offense. So I think versatility is going to be a big, going to be a big factor on offense. Um, I do have a player in mind that I feel like could be a, a player of the year. That's not going to have a thousand yards rushing or a thousand yards receiving or, you know, anything like that, but his impact on his team is just that big, you know, well, throw that guy name out. Let's, uh, you know, <laughs> okay. All right. I'll say, I'll say, and this, this guy is not a cinch by any means, but the biggest game changer I've seen for a team this year and both watching games and, and seeing how big games have played out has been the Wolfman in West. And has some honestly ridiculous return stats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, we talk, we don't talk a lot about it, but, uh, I mean, special teams can can flip a game in a hurry. We see it on all levels of football, and mm-hmm. it's it's the same in in high school football. I mean, you know, if if you've got a kid that can uh, break a, a long return and flip a field like that, I mean, it makes a huge huge impact. And again, I know you said you don't want to talk about college football here on the high school football podcast, but talk to SMU about you know what a return can do to a team. Uh, mm-hmm. They chose to kick to Houston at the end of that game last week and it lost them the game. So um, I didn't yeah. know Houston was ranked by the way this week. That just galls me, but we won't get into that. Anyway, Wolf's a good choice. Uh, another one just to throw out there. I mean, to me, if major Bowden ends up leading China spring to a, to a state championship, uh, well, I think he'd be a guy to, certainly talk about not not saying that he would only be in the conversation if they win state but no yeah. and, that, and that's a really good point I mean the argument for Major Bowden is a strong one I mean it's because I mean, he has he's the leading rusher for that team I'm pretty sure uh and he's he's just the dude on their offense now they have a lot of good players and you know, offensive linemen don't get enough love in conversations like this. But, uh, but uh, yeah, definitely, that that's one um, you're on track there. And let me say about defensive players, just in terms of what I think might do it on the defensive side this year, is uh, interceptions and sacks might be a big player on the defensive player of the year. Deal, just general disruption and superlatives. Yeah, you know, uh, and it seems like our award on that side of the ball often goes to a linebacker or sometimes a DB. I feel like Mm -hmm. much like the O-line, the D-linemen maybe um, get, I don't want to say get overlooked, but 
they have a tougher road because they're not going to usually accumulate as, as big a stats as a linebacker who's a lot of times those D linemen are occupying blockers so the linebackers can fly around and make tackles. Uh, but I would be interested to hear your thoughts on, because you've talked about him before on this podcast, throwing a guy around, Joe Gutsall. Lorena. Right. And I was just about to say, you know, I mean, I feel like uh, I'm starting to be a little bit West and Lorena obsessed, you know, but I might as well just lean into it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Joe Gutshaw is maybe the guy and, and Baxter Bankston from Lorena has, I think, seven sacks or maybe nine sacks or something like that this year. And I think that might be partially a product of teams having to pay so much attention to Joe, you know, because I mean, I've seen him intercept tossed down running backs. He has, I think, a, like a 47-yard interception return or something ridiculous like that for a D-end, you know. And he was our, uh, just to put it out there, he was our Super Syntex defensive, defensive newcomer. newcomer of the year last year. So, Yeah, he's uh, he's got a motor, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. he's big and got a motor, and that's scary at the high school level. Yeah. I mean, there were guys like Bo Blackshear and Andrew Billings who were that way. And we're mm-hmm. able to really make sizable impacts. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, finally, our last question this week, I think we're about 20, 25 minutes into the podcast. So time to come with a question like this. See, I see a lot of band love on, uh, on, on social media this week. You know, Lorena is all about their band going to state. Um, I know the other night, the Grandview folks were talking to me. They were really excited. Their band was going to state that they had this lab elaborate, uh, halftime um, sort of graphic boards. I don't know what you would call them. You know, these, these props with dragons and everything. Um, so if you're a band director, you know, the announcer always says this year, the golden wave band celebrates the music of Elton John or something like that, you know? So what would your show be as a band director? So uh, this is an interesting question and it doesn't necessarily mean to me, that I would pick my favorite band because mm-hmm. is, does your favorite band bode well for marching band music? You know, right. I, I like, I love you too, but I, I don't know if that works as a, as a marching band kind of theme. So that said, if you roll I, the edge out there on a platform you know, <laughs> with an amplifier, it might, but go ahead. It might, but, uh, and maybe I've even seen this before, but I feel like Queen uh, works well for uh, a marching band show. They've got a lot of great songs. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like you could uh, speed it up. You could slow it down. Uh, you could do some fun things. Like, I mean, I could see, I could kind of see that show in my head where you start off with uh, We Will Rock You. You know, and that kind of gets the crowd into it a little bit. Uh, at some point, you got to get into Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, just mm-hmm. because that would be sort of fun. Uh, I would just love to hear the stadium PA announcer say, and now the band will play Fat Bottom Girls. <laughs> that would be funny. But, uh, I mean, can't you just hear Bohemian Rhapsody with, like, the little flutes going you know, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I can uh, see the student section actually getting into that too, you know, little Wayne's world esque student yeah, section. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then 
uh, it feels like the natural closing number there. And I, for me, if I'm the band director, which you said I am, uh, mm. I'm inviting like my best member of the high school choir to, to join us for this last number. And we're going, you know, somebody to love to end and let, <laughs> and let them really belt it out, you know, and join the band. And uh, I mean, that may now, be break, breaking the rules, but I don't care. It's my show. If you have a queen halftime show, how can you not close with we are the champions? We are the champions. I thought about that, too. But uh, so, yeah, you could go that route. That, that seems very um, like that's a given. You know, so I would mm. might might want to throw a little curveball in there with somebody to love. Okay, well, mine would be the music of Rush, opening with Tom Sawyer, and and uh, you know, just that that would be it for me. Just open with Tom Sawyer, do whatever you want after that. I wanted to make a couple of points before we say goodbye. Uh, I was walking up the stands pregame a couple of weeks ago, and there's this kid with a trumpet. I can't remember, I can't remember. I think it was in Lorena. And this kid with the trumpet is warming up with Painted Black by the, the Rolling Stones. And I was like, that's just high school band, high school football stuff to me, you know. And you know how I like to do the Happy Friday Night America and seek out like just things that just fit, that are just right, you know. And a trumpet player warming up with all, everything going on to Painted Black by uh, Rolling Stones. That's pretty perfect. The other thing is I almost chastised the, uh, the, the, Grand, the Grandview Band's bass player the other night. Walk by, he has like an all black bass, and I'm like, I just wanted to go up to him and be like, dude, you're missing an opportunity here. You're the bass player for the Grandview Zebra band. How can you have a zebra striped bass? <laughs> well, that's uh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, uh sad that the Grandview bass player didn't think of that but well uh, i'll just i'll just say it right here since i didn't have the guts to tell him to his face send it out via the podcast <laughs> and the internet maybe we can get that done let's get the grandview bass player a zebra stripe bass yes and right. i will also while we're talking about bands i will throw this out there uh in some ways i feel like i've mellowed in my old age but uh that's probably not altogether true i'm sure there's things that set me off but I do remember when I was younger, I used to get a lot uh, more animated or sort of angry about this. But band parents who leave after the band performs at halftime. I mean, uh, look, you know, uh, the, the football parents need to support the band and sit there and listen to the show. Yeah. But, you know that works both ways. So stick around, watch the second half of the game. Um, like I said, I've kind of mellowed on that over the years, but I'm just well, throwing that out there. Don't, don't leave after the band plays. I mean, don't get me started. The one, the one thing that makes me think of is when I park every Friday night, you know, and I'm looking around at the other cars around me and I just think none of these cars will be here when I pull out later on. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> we usually do shut it down. And speaking yep. of that, let's shut it down. All right. See y'all week one of the playoffs next week. <laughs> All right. Sounds good.